0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. I'm going to be in John chapter 9 today, John chapter 9, while you're getting there in a paper Bible, we'll have the scripture on the screen as well. I want you to mentally think through this account. We have to go way back in history to early December 1903. Who remembers that? It's a long time ago, right? But early December 1903 in North Carolina, there are two brothers. Likely you've heard of them. They are the Wright brothers, For the last four years, they've been working on a dream to create a flying contraption that we will later learn is the airplane and how great are airplanes. We can fly to places like India and Honduras and Florida and all those other, right? It's amazing, this breakthrough. And so these brothers have been working and toiling, and it's finally this time. Early December 1903, they're on a hill. And the first maiden voyage of this flying contraption flies for 12 seconds. They make three other flights, and on the last flight, the the fifth one, the, the airplane breaks. But they're so excited because they realize what type of breakthrough that they have just experienced. And they're so excited that they want to get the message out quickly. And so they get a hold of their sister. Now, in 1903, you didn't pick up the phone. You sent a telegraph. And so they went to the telegraph office. And it was expensive. And so they paid for this message. We have flown for 12 seconds. We will be home for Christmas. Short and sweet. But the sister realizes because they understood, she understood the toil of these brothers and what they've gone through the last four years, and she's so excited. She believes that the news has to get out. This has to be made public. And so she runs to the newspaper office because she wants it printed. Like, can you imagine? And so I just want you to think for an instant. If you were part of the newspaper staff and you got this opportunity to write one of the greatest articles about the greatest breakthroughs of all time, what would the headline be? Like, this is an opportunity. And so she shares it with the newspaper office, looks at the paper the next day, and there's no article. She looks at the paper now the second day. It's not on the front page, but you've got to wind your way to page six. And are you ready for the article's title? Right, boys, coming home. It's, a, it's an article about them coming home for Christmas. Exactly. What? <laughs> she gets it. Like, the go- what a miss. You had an opportunity to write one of the greatest articles of all time, and your focus is on the right boys coming home for Christmas. You missed it. When I think about that, isn't it easy, at least for me, to miss things? Maybe not for you, but let me give you an example in my life. For a long time, I hated shopping. Anybody else? Amen. We're going to start a group, shoppers, haters group. (laughs) Really not. Here's why I dislike shopping. Normally when I shop, what I do is I have a mental model of the store map, and I think I know where the thing is that I want. I go in the store, surgically precisely go to that item and grab it, and then get out the store, that's my, somebody's clapping, (laughs) thanks for coming today, that's the message, (laughs) right, that's what I do, guess what, that's not what my wife does, she meanders, she talks to people, and the craziest thing, you're not going to understand this, she will look at things she will never buy, Why are we doing that, right? And so she would ask me, she's like, hey, do you want to go shopping? And I'd go, no, (laughs) I don't. But a few years ago, what I realized is I was focused on the problem of shopping and wasting time, but what I was missing was spending time with my wife, spending time dreaming about what she might want to do, might want to buy, talking to her, spending quality time with her. I was missing that. And so now when she says, we, we just did this a couple weeks ago, hey, do you want to go antique shopping in my brain? I'm thinking, no, because we're not going to buy anything. But in my heart, I'm saying, yeah, I'll go with you because I like you. I love you. Does that make sense? Sometimes we, it's so easy to miss the greatest things of life. Let me give you another example. When I was growing up, my parents worked at a foundry. They, they tried so hard to provide for the family, but every now and again, finances would be challenging. And so I, I remember as I was uh, approaching graduation in high school, I had this thing in my brain. I'm like, I'm never going to do that. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to be wholly focused on not the problem of finances, but I'm going to be wholly focused on making as much money as I can. And for too many years, that was my focus, And what I realize on this side of it is, there's so much more to life than making money. And for too many years, my focus was on that and I missed out on so many great things. But now what I see is there are opportunities and people to love on instead of chasing a dollar. Here's what I've come to realize. When challenges and opportunities arise, it's easy to focus on the wrong thing. And it puts us at risk of missing some of the greatest things of life. We see a couple of examples of this even in Scripture. When Jesus was, uh, just had come to Jerusalem, like he's... he's announcing that he's the Messiah, and it's a little confusing. There's religious rulers, and, and they call them Pharisees. There's people who are so interested and so focused on the rules and all the laws and all this, that, and the other, how they dress, what they said, what day they did what. They were so focused on that, they actually missed Jesus. The very person that they had studied about, prayed about, and were looking for right in front of them, and they miss him. Jesus actually talks to them in Matthew 23, and he says this to them. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. And he goes on, and he says, Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish. And the outside will be clean. He's giving this word picture of, boy, on the outside, you're dressed right. You think you're doing the right thing on the right day. But on the inside, you are so focused on the wrong thing that you're missing it. Another somewhat funny example, the disciples are hanging out with Jesus. And uh, they feed 5,000 people. Jesus, miraculously, out of a couple of loaves of bread and fish, I mean, just imagine that, right? Bread multiplying, and now we're feeding 5,000 or more people, and it's an incredible miracle. But immediately after this account, the disciples are in a boat with Jesus. And the disciples realize, you know what we don't have? We didn't pack any bread. We might get hungry. And so they start talking about this. And look at this. In Mark 8, it says, they discussed this with one another and said, well, it's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? He goes on to share, did you not like 20, this is the Steve version, did you not like 20 hours ago see me multiply bread and feed 5,000 people? You knuckleheads, you are completely missing the point. They're so focused on what they don't have that they don't have clear vision that Jesus is right there. He could provide it in an instant. Now, we can look at those biblical examples or my silly examples or the newspaper office and with hindsight say, oh, yeah, they missed it. But I think, just if I'm really honest and transparent with you all, I think I miss it. I think we miss it all too often. And I think I want to do better. I think we have to do better. Don't you? They don't. Do you guys want to do better at this? Like, I really do not want to miss some of the greatest things of life, some of the things that God sent his son to die on a cross for us to see and experience. I do not want to miss those things. And so to do that, I want to uh, close this series today. We're we're in a series called Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And at the end of the series, I've chosen this really simple story in the Bible. Some of you might have read it multiple times. It's out of John chapter 9. It's Jesus when he meets a blind man. But what I love in this is the last couple of weeks as I focused on it and prayed through it, God has really revealed in the simplicity of this account how we can focus on the right things and not miss stuff. And so I want to read this, John chapter 9. It's just seven verses. It's really, not any background that I have to. It's Jesus and his disciples. They're just walking, and so it says this: John chapter nine, verse one. It says, "As he Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth." His disciples asked him, "Rabbi, who sinned, this man or the or his parents, that he was born blind?" Neither this man nor his parents sinned," said Jesus. "But this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him." As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. That's sort of gross. Go, Jesus told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now, I really encourage you to read the entire chapter later today. This chapter, I had not noticed this until a few weeks ago when I read the chapter multiple times. This chapter, there's so many times when people in this chapter completely miss the point. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter and just count how many times, like people miss seeing the most important thing in front of them. It's incredible. But I want to focus on two things that I see Jesus do that can help us not miss stuff, to keep our our focus clear. So before I jump into those, let me pray. So Father, I really, like deeply have this desire not to miss you, not to miss the greatest things of life. And there's likely other people in the room who feel the same way. And so I pray, God, that you help us understand the simplicity of the Scripture That you open our eyes and our hearts and our mind. And Holy Spirit, do what you do best. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's what I see in the text. You can, a couple of fill in the blanks. You can write these in. Keeping a clear focus means looking beyond the problem to find the person. Looking beyond the problem to find the person. I want you to imagine the scene. Jesus and the disciples have been uh, walking around the streets at a religious festival. They're just leaving, and they encounter a man born blind. Now, if you're born blind at that time, it was really a sentence to beg for the majority of your life just so you could survive. You would beg for food, beg for money, whatever it took, but that was your lot in life. That's what you had to do. And so in John 9, we read this just a minute ago, it says this, As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I don't know about you, but when I picture this scene in my head, it's a little impersonal. The the man that is blind is probably kneeling or sitting in the street. The disciples are around him, and Jesus is there. And the disciples are talking to him like he's not there. Jesus, who sinned? Like, it's a little rugged, isn't it? It's very impersonal. If I was the blind man, I'd be like, I'm right here. I'm not deaf. I'm blind. I can hear you. But they're interested. What are they interested in? They're interested in, hey, who sinned? Let's root around in the garbage to find out why this happened. Let's diagnose it a little bit. Let's dig into the messy stuff. Their focus was on the problem, but Jesus saw a man that was in need of something, and so his view was different. Isn't it easy to get wound up in the problems and focus on those, especially when we're talking about people? Like, it's easy to focus on problems with people. I want to give you an example. This last week, it rained a lot. And so uh, I was at my house, and my, uh, my son John... He was leaving the house. He had someplace to go. But he was parked in in the driveway, and so he was going to drive through the yard. Now, before you get all worked up, we do that at the Huffman house. It's okay. So he was going to drive, and the the yard's pretty long, and so he's going to drive through the yard. And I'm seeing this uh, from a window, and I see him drive through the yard. And in a moment, I'm thinking, whoa, he's going to get stuck. And I see him, and he's driving, 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 and he slows down, and his car gets buried in the muck of the yard, and I'm frustrated now. And so I get this, my cell phone goes off, I pick it up, it's John. Dad, I'm stuck, can you come help me? So I'm, I'm a, sure I'll come help you, but I'm internally, I'm just being transparent. I'm a little frustrated. I'm busy. I know he has to run, so I grab my other son. He's got a friend over, and so we go out into the mud, get the mud boots on. We start pushing. Nothing's happening. It's just getting lower into the mud, and so uh, we decide to go get some boards. Anybody ever get boards when you're stuck? Does that ever work for you? No, it never works for me. The other services, three or four people were like, yeah. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? Stick the boards under there, right? We're trying to wedge it and dig it out and it's not going anywhere. And my frustration is just building. And so I I finally decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get in the driver's seat. I'm going to get this thing out. So I'm in the driver's seat. Boys are up front. Mud is flying all over them. We finally start rocking it, and it breaks free. I reverse, I'm out of the mud, and I had a five-second, as I'm driving back to the driveway, I have this five-second thought, and I think it was the Lord. It was, you know, there's probably not going to be many more times that John, who's graduating from college and getting married in December, that he's going to call his dad for help. So I put it in drive, and I bared it back in the mud. No, I didn't do that, but I had this, (laughs) I had this five-second thought of, man, I was so focused on the problem that I missed the most important thing. My son's calling me for help. How great is that? I thank God for John burying that truck in the mud. You can write this down the size of the problem should never overshadow loving someone well. The size of the problem should never overshadow loving someone well. I want to bring this into the room. The disciples saw a blind man who sinned. But Jesus saw a man who was born blind. I read that multiple times over the last two weeks, but I think the Lord pointed something out. The disciples saw a blind man, but God saw a man born blind. Do you see the difference? Jesus sees the person. He doesn't see the sin, the problem first. There's a person in there. And and so as I'm reading this, I think the Lord challenged me how many times I address people as a problem before their name. Like it really convicted me. How many times we see the problem before the person. So how many of you have a crazy uncle? How many of you have an addicted coworker, a depressed friend, an annoying neighbor, or see a homeless guy on the side of the road? See, all too often I think I look at people or see situations, and I will even describe them to other people. Oh, that's my annoying friend. That's the person who's struggling with whatever. And I think the Lord pointed to me and said, no, Steve, they have a name. Figure it out because it's important. which I know is hard to do, because I know your neighbor is annoying. Or I know that person that hurt you long ago might hurt you again, but the reality is that person should be seen beyond their problems, because that's how God sees them, and sometimes that's hard. And so I was wrestling with this, was, all right, God, I've got to get better at this. How do I do this? And he, two verses came to mind, Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Say all wrongs. You look that up in the original language, and it really means all wrongs. It doesn't mean three-quarters of them. It means every wrong. Look at this First Peter four: eight, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. A multitude is a lot. We need to love people and find them beyond their problems. It's what the world needs. The disciples were quick to focus on the sins, the problems, the diagnosis. They wanted all the dirt. But Jesus saw the person, and I wonder how many times I've missed the person because I've been focused on the problem. So here's a question I'm asking myself, maybe you should ask. Am I so focused on the issue that I don't see the person? Am I so focused on the issue, I don't see the person. And the challenge, you may not take it up, but the challenge that I'm challenging myself with. This week, maybe this month, I'm really trying to pay attention to how people are introduced. Like people describe other people, or even how I describe people. And if someone's going to introduce someone as, oh, that's my annoying friend, I'm going to stop. God willing, and say, who is it? I want to know their name. I want to know who they are before I know their problems. Let's figure that out. Can we talk about them like God would talk about them? Because it's important. It keeps our focus clear. Keeping a clear focus means looking beyond the problem to find the person. It's what Jesus did. The other thing I see Jesus do in this account with the blind man to keep his focus clear is This keeping a clear focus means being attentive to the power of God you can write that in being attentive to the power of God May not be the greatest fill-in but hang with me. I think we'll get there The disciples asked about this blind man. Hey, who, who sinned? We're trying to root around in the in the junk and Jesus answers that question Sort of. In verse 3, he says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. He really doesn't answer their question directly. He wasn't attentive to the details of the mess. He's attentive to what the power of God might do in the person. Because when the, when the power of God encounters a problem, everything changes. Let me give you two verses. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for God. No thing will overcome the Lord. There is not a problem, there is not an annoying neighbor big enough that will overcome what the power of God can do in that person. Matthew 19, Jesus says it this way. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Jesus regularly encountered people that were messy, and the power of God came on them, and all things were possible, and cleaned up their mess. Let me give you a couple of examples. Jesus encounters a guy who, by all accounts, is messed up. He's naked, chained up. Scripture says he's full of demons. He's cutting himself. Like things are bad. And in a moment encounter with Jesus, the power of God cleans this man up, sets him free. He goes to get dressed and he's in his right mind. That's the power of God. In Luke 22, Jesus is getting ready to be arrested by Roman soldiers. There's a scuffle One of the Roman soldiers' ear gets cut off. And in a moment, Jesus encounters this man, the power of God, and heals his ear. It was one of Jesus' enemies. Jesus is dying on the cross. There's a man next to him who's a thief. His sentence was to die on the cross. And in a momentary encounter with Jesus, in a quick exchange, Jesus says, I will see you in heaven promises eternal life. In a moment, the power of God can do absolutely anything. But I wonder, in those three accounts, if I was there, if I would have complained and ignored the crazy guy. If I would have said, why are we healing that guy's ear because he's one of our enemies, or told the thief, you deserve that. That's your sentence, but not Jesus. When the man born blind in the text today encounters Jesus, power of God comes on him. Jesus does something. I know, it's a little gross. Spits in the ground, makes some mud, rubs it on his eyes. But look what happens. The text says the man went and washed and came home seeing. That's what happens in a moment with Jesus. You can write this in. The best part of the story is when the problem meets Jesus. That's the best part of a person's story. An encounter with Jesus fixes the problem. It redeems the person. It heals them. It cleans them up. And Jesus makes people new. My complaining and rooting around and calling people names, ignoring them because they're messy, that does absolutely nothing. But in a moment, the power of God changes everything. And the cool thing about this is Jesus actually invites us to partner with him to get that done. John 9, 4 in our text today, it says this, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Jesus could have said, as long as it's day, I have to do these works. But he did not do that. He said, as long as it is day, we, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're enlisted in the army, we get to do these things as well. We get to partner with Jesus and bring the problems to the power of God. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What are, the, what, what are those works? What are we supposed to do? Well, Matthew 25 is a good starter list, if you want to start somewhere. Jesus is talking to his followers and he says, This: For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. As a stranger, you invited me in. And he goes on and he says. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. If you look at that list, every one of those things are a problem. It's begging for an invitation for one of us to go help and take that problem to the feet of Jesus. Do you realize the power of that God has. He can change everything. We we talk about this a lot, but can we just capture this in a minute, that every time Jesus shows up, something great happens. I want to give you an example from here at the vineyard. A couple of weeks ago, we just finished up this course we called Alpha. Alpha was like an 11-week course. Talked about some of the greatest things of faith today. Some of the biggest questions. Who is Jesus? What about faith? Does God heal today? All those great questions. And on a weekend, I came in to teach on the topic, does God still heal today, and what about his, his gifts? And so I, as I was teaching, there was a husband and wife attending the class. Their names are Kent and Jenny Pierre Piotrowski. And Kent and Jenny, I didn't know them before this class and they were sitting up front and as I was teaching, Jenny kept raising her hand and asking really good, probing, hard questions. How do we know that's Jesus talking? How do we know that he can heal today? And I was thinking, gee whiz. That's, those, are quite, those are good, but whoa. And so I kept teaching, she kept asking, things were going great and at the break, Jenny raises her hand, invites me over and says, hey, <clears throat> It's a great topic today. Uh, Kent, my husband, uh, his knee uh, has been hurting, wondering if you could pray for it. And instead of me praying, I invited Jenny to pray. But I have no special powers. Like, we're all the same. And so I was like, Jenny, you pray. And so this is her account. This is what she emails. She said, I asked Steve to pray for my husband's knee. He suggested instead I pray for his knee, which I did. Steve also prayed for Kent at the end by touching his heart and encouraging Kent to let go of what he's been holding on to. Side note, they didn't ask for prayer for that. I was just trying to be attentive to God in the moment, and what I felt like God wanted me to do was put my hand on his heart and pray, whatever you're holding on to, let it go. God's got it. The prayer brought us both to tears. Kent was healed of his knee pain and has let go of what has been holding him back from drawing closer to Jesus. Kent has told everyone about his knee, church-going or non-church-going friends and relatives. It is a true miracle of healing. And on the last night of Alpha, Kent asked me, what we're going to sign up for next? We agreed to stay involved. Never would he have said that a year ago. See, the problem or problems, got introduced to Jesus, it's the best part of the story. But to get to that point, let me give you some backstory. Because there had to be some people that were attentive to the power of God. Here's what happened before that. Todd Zeiger was attentive to what God might be doing because Kent and Jenny went on a mission trip with Todd. And Todd's like, you know what? God might be doing something. Go to Alpha. Kent and Jenny, during the class, realize, as I'm teaching, God might be up to something. Let's invite Steve to pray. They're attentive to the power of God. I, in my imperfection, go down and pray what I think God is. I'm trying to be attentive to what God is doing. And now, post-class, they're staying connected to a community that loves Jesus. They're connected to the power of God. Only because multiple people were attentive to the power of God. So let me bring this in the room. Here's the invitation for us. The invitation in this entire account is for us to see people beyond their problems and get the problems connected to Jesus. That's the simplicity of the story. That's how we have a right focus. That's how we don't miss things, some of the greatest things of life. But here's the risk. If we don't do that, if we contain our focus on all the problems and the messes and we miss the people, what we will also miss is some of God's greatest gifts to us, in the world. I don't want to do that. I want to do better. I want us to do better. And so here's how we're going to close. First of all, I'm going to recap. Keeping a clear focus means looking beyond the problem to find the person and being attentive to the works of God. And I realize on your handout, I've not given you the fill in the blanks for the prayer, and so there's a little tension in the room. But what we're going to do is we're actually going to pray this prayer. So I'm going to give you the the fill-in-the-blanks, and at the end, we're going to pray the prayer together. But it's an invitation to what God might be doing amongst us. So here's the prayer. You can fill it in. Father, open my eyes to focus on people over problems and compel me to do your works. I'm going to read it again. Father, open my eyes to focus on people over problems and compel me to do your works. It's what Jesus shows us in the text today. I think it is a great prayer. I'll be praying this prayer all week, if not longer. And I invite you, it's a challenge. Pray this this week, every day, simple stuff. But I wonder what God will show us when we pray it. So I'm going to invite you to stand we're actually going to repeat this prayer together, which is a so not vineyard thing. Are we okay to do this? I'm not forcing you to pray, you don't have to if you don't want to, but I think it can be powerful, so we're gonna say it together. You ready? Are you ready? Okay, thanks, all right, here here we go. Father, open my eyes to focus on people over problems and compel me to do your works.